So listening is like the first thing to do. And then the next part is empowering. So how do I empower my mentees to take their skills and their knowledge and come out of this challenge? Welcome back to That Vet Life. In today's episode, I'm talking with fourth-year veterinary student Hidaya Martinez-Jaca about her last four years in vet school and how it has impacted her and her mentorship style. From her first experience with vet med and caring for her backyard flock of chickens to her current position as the National SAVMA president, Hidaya has seen the positive impact mentorship provided to her veterinary education. Listen along as we talk about the qualities she has found in her mentors and how it has influenced her current style of mentorship. Hidaya has an immense passion for this profession, and I was so encouraged by our conversation. So let's jump into today's episode. You're so close to the end of your veterinary schooling, and you've done some externships. Have you had anybody at your externship start to call you like Dr. Hidaya? Oh my gosh. Yes. I remember the first time that someone called me Dr. Dr. Martinez Jaca. And it was one of the veterinary technicians slash nurses basically giving me a decision to make. And I was like, oh, I'm not a doctor yet, you know, but she was like, yes, you are. You're about <laughs> to be. And that just really, it was such a wonderful moment. And yeah, I'll never forget it for sure. It's just one of those weird moments where you're like, wait a minute, are you, you're, you're talking to me? Like what? I remember one of the first times someone did that to me at an externship and it just made me feel like electric. I was like, oh my gosh, this is actually what it's going to be when someone calls me doctor. And it's still, it's like, it's honestly still kind of weird in some settings. And even when you start practice, you know, like the first couple months, you'll have people be like, oh, hey doctor. And you'll be like, who, what, where, me? Oh, me. <laughs> and you're like looking around. And uh, it just, it hits differently once you graduate. I feel like there is immense value for mentors to start calling their mentees or at least people who are on externships with them, like to actually call them doctor when they're that close to graduating. And especially when, like if I'm bringing a student into the consult room with me, I will introduce them as doctor. I'll be like, oh, this is Dr. So-and-so who's shadowing with us because it changes how the client sees you as like another individual rather than this is just a student shadowing with us. But instead, like they actually see you as a person of importance and a person who has this educational background and it just opens up like the confidence for you guys so that you can kind of step into those shoes and take a bit more responsibility for each of those cases. Is that kind of how you feel when they did that? Or or what's your viewpoint on it? I really like that mindset. I think it's a really empowering mindset, both like on an interpersonal level as you, the mentor, bringing the student in. Like that's how it would feel to me. And I really like that aspect of confidence. In that situation with the nurse, she was just kind of, I think, in a way, trying to build my confidence because she wanted me to make that decision. And it really made me feel it made me feel confident. It made me feel a little bit nervous. This was like early on in my clinical year, like maybe just a couple rotations in. And so looking back on how that made me feel at that time versus how it would make me feel now, just a few months out from graduation, it's such a big difference. I think I feel like I've grown so much in my confidence and actually feel like I'm ready for that transition into being a doctor. But having that be something that's not trained, but like you're exposed to that title and that, you know, kind of position that you have so early on. I think that's a really 
awesome idea in terms of that aspect of mentorship mm-hmm. so that we don't feel that like sudden oh my gosh <laughs> you know in may we graduate we're a doctor okay what now <laughs> it doesn't quite feel right it feels like that might be like something really neat to work mm-hmm. on imposter syndrome even you know with a simple title absolutely and i think it also so there's from the mentee's perspective but also from the mentor's perspective in that it changes how like I would talk to a student in that instead of me being like, oh, I'm teaching the student. It's like, no, I'm actually just talking and discussing with a colleague. It changes that level, changes that mindset. It makes it a two-way street, essentially, rather than it be me like teaching someone who's less knowledgeable, less experienced. It's literally I'm just teaching a colleague and talking with a colleague. So that can be really beneficial from the mentor's perspective. And I would encourage anybody who is going to be in a, a position of mentorship to consider that just from the basically the two different viewpoints. So it's just a really interesting topic to open up with because like, I feel like we don't really talk about it that much. It's just you have some people that will like you'll go on an externship and some people will call you a doctor and some people won't. And I'd be interested to find out if on those externships where they do call you doctor, if you feel like you had a better learning experience than on the ones that you don't. So that's like a a hearsay type of experiment, but yeah. I'd be interested to hear more about that. I want to talk a bit more about your like personal mentorship story and where all this kind of started from. So tell us right now, like where are you at in your current veterinary journey? Set the stage. Yeah. So I am a fourth year student at the Virginia Maryland College of Veterinary Medicine. Uh, I am three months out from graduation, Ooh. actually. Um, yeah, <laughs> that that in my head. At Virginia, Maryland, we track, and so I'm a mixed animal tracker, which has allowed me to really explore a lot of different aspects of veterinary medicine, you know, whether it's mixed practice or specialty practice or like public corporate research. So it's been really neat to experience so much as well as simultaneously be involved throughout you know since first year in organized veterinary medicine through student ABMA, AVMA, and all of the amazing student clubs and organizations that like are organized within my own school so it has been just you know an incredible four years full of so much growth honestly I can't even quite explain just how different I feel now than I did at the beginning and how much my confidence has grown. It's really cool to be at, you know, at this stage in my veterinary journey for sure. I get it. It's something where like you don't quite realize where you're at until someone asks you and you're like, oh my gosh, like reflecting on the past four years, just how much you've accomplished and like who you were at the start, like you said, and who you are now are completely different people. And I just love hearing the excitement that you have in your voice and the passion that you have for veterinary medicine. And coming from someone who, honestly, the majority of your schooling was during the pandemic. So the majority of it was not in person. It was when we were still figuring all this crap out. We had no idea what we were doing. And to still have the excitement and passion that you do coming out of it is really refreshing because it's not something that I feel is well reflected in a lot of your colleagues. I think that my peers and I have been through a lot with COVID. I think that, you know, from the class of 2020 to at least 2024 to 2025, we've all been through some serious COVID challenges with our veterinary schooling. I would say I have a positive outlook and an excitement and passion for the profession. 
because it, it's fulfilling, but I don't feel like that every day. And that's okay. I think it's really important to recognize when yesterday I got there at, to the teaching hospital at 7 a.m. and I didn't leave till 7.30 p.m. I had three patients and one was emergent and there was so much to manage and I was absolutely exhausted. That's kind of a day that can be like just demotivating, discouraging, but then knowing that the next day could be different. Today, I had a different caseload. It was still a little bit hectic and a, a lot pretty busy, but I had a shorter period of hours. So every single day is so different. And the way I feel differs every day too. And so it's important to me that I find what within veterinary medicine fulfills me so that I can feel motivated to continue and find, you know, pivot and change. Something's really dragging me down. The profession is so vast that I can pivot and adjust that even later on in my career. So from what I see from my peers, there's a lot of excitement right now, at least in my class, you know, with signing contracts, going through the match and ranking and figuring out what our next step is. It's such an exciting time that I think that's really given us a boost that we need because that school is hard. And um, I don't blame anybody for feeling demotivated or discouraged at any point in time. It's fleeting and we have to recognize that struggle and the fact that we don't feel so great in order to figure out how to work ourselves out of that feeling and move on to reminding ourselves why we're in the profession, what's fulfilling about it and what we're looking forward to next. Mm -hmm. Oh my goodness. You're such a well-spoken individual. And like, I can see how, how you came to the position. Like, what is the actual terminology? Like you were the just recent SAVMA president. What's the the term I'm looking for? So yeah, I am the current national uh, SAVMA president. Yeah. So SAVMA is the student AVMA. So our current organization is the AVMA. And so there are over 17,000 SAVMA members within the US, the UK, and the Caribbean islands. We have 39 now uh, SAVMA chapters. We are approving our new chapters left and right at the new vet schools that are being founded. It's just such an incredible opportunity to learn from all of these students across you know the country and abroad and hear their voices and find you know kind of the heartbeat of our students and work to amplify their voices in different ways and so it's just an incredible honor to be doing this and really gives me a lot of inspiration for the future of veterinary medicine it's just it's incredibly rewarding and fulfilling i'm a person who my goal is always to be of service and it just really fit so well in a lot of ways. And I'm just really thankful to be doing it. Now, just before we get on with the show, a quick word from our sponsor, which is the Thrive community from us here at VetX. If you're struggling with managing time, feeling like you're an imposter or burning out, then you need to make a change. The good news is you are not broken. You're not a bad fit for the profession much more likely you are missing some super important foundational skills no one is teaching at university. Skills that you will learn as part of our VetEx community. The Thrive community is a race accredited professional skills course where members receive training, toolkits and one-to-one -one coaching to develop these skills. So join hundreds of other vets who've changed their careers for the better as a Thrive member. To learn more and find out if the class is a good fit for you, Visit vetexinternational.com today. Now back to the show. 
So I hope you enjoyed part one. Now we're going to get back to part two of that Vet Life podcast. Over to you, Mo. Again, I love hearing the excitement that you have in your voice for this. And we're definitely going to take some time, I feel like in the bonus episode, to talk a bit more about organized veterinary medicine because I know you have a ton to say about it. So we'll pack that up and we'll ask them, let everybody know that they can listen to the bonus episode that's available through the Thrive community on VetX International um, to hear more about that. But let's go back in time. Let's carry that excitement. And tell me, like, where did all of this excitement start? Was it something you grew up with a passion that you're like, I'm going to become a vet? Or like, how were you exposed to this world? I was a little bit older than a majority of my peers. I was 14, so I was still younger, but my family adopted a flock of chickens and they were my first pets ever. Um, they started out as egg layers. You know, we're going to get, you know, we had a little bit of land. I'm from rural Virginia. It was time to, you know, start something new. And I quickly grew to love them and care for them in both like husbandry as well as medical wise, because we didn't have access to a veterinarian who would be able to treat them. So I like by the age of 16 had taught myself, you know, how to handle soft tissue injuries and respiratory illness digestive and metabolic issues. And I was obviously working from a point of, you know, not having been to vet school yet, but it started to, it inspired me to get along the process and expose myself to veterinary medicine. So actually the first veterinarian I met happened to be my little brother's soccer coach. And I was still, I was like 15 ish, I think by that point. And he was like, Hey, you want to come shadow at the clinic? I was like, yes, please. And so that was my first exposure to veterinary medicine is shadowing you know, around 14, 15 years old. And from there, I, I shadowed at a couple of other clinics, eventually worked as a kennel assistant in another. And so that passion kind of grew and I knew that, you know, veterinary medicine was my goal. I started community college at the age of 16. I finished my uh, associates at 18. And then I transferred to finish my bachelor's, which I did then in two years. And then I got into veterinary school, but throughout, you know, it can sound really simple, but throughout all these different points, there were different experiences and mentors that made a huge impact in making sure that I could get that path and get to the goal that I wanted to be in terms of going to vet school and becoming a veterinarian. And I'm, I'm very grateful for each of those because I, you know, it really my path would have looked a lot different without their support. So who were some of these mentors that you have, or at least like what were some of the qualities that you found in them that you're like, oh my gosh, this is making a huge difference for me. This is what I want to do for someone else. The enthusiasm and support to bring someone to either the same level that you are or just support them along their path, even if it's not your own. I would say, you know, that first that my little brother soccer coach who's a veterinarian was a mentor in a way that he inspired me and let me follow through with a spark of interest that I had. And he gave me that opportunity to see veterinary medicine. I think, you know, another mentor that was pivotal was when I was finishing my bachelor's degree. I went to a small liberal arts school. I chose to because I wanted a well-rounded education, but we didn't have a pre-veterinary track. And so I was unfamiliar. I'm the first person in my family to pursue like postgraduate education, first person to be a doctor. My parents were first generation college grads. And so when I got to this point in my undergrad, like probably the first week, of or like orientation week when I was, you know, looking to two years to finish my bachelor's, 
I met with my advisor and we sat down for like two to three hours and she helped me understand prerequisites and different vet schools and what they all look like and tracking versus not tracking location, you know, the species that they might see or specialties that they have and then work backwards and help me plan out my entire two years of the rest of my bachelor's degree so that I could fulfill what I needed to get to my goal of vet school. She is someone who helped me then with my VIMCAS application, uh, just understanding what I needed to do, proofreading my essays. That's somebody who just is so devoted to ensuring that her, well, her advisee, in this case, her mentee, achieved the goals, you know, that I set out to do. And that just was incredible, you know, to me to have that support and that mentorship. And so just that giving aspect of what she, whatever I needed, she was there and she was ready to help. And then throughout vet school, there's so many different types of mentors. I remember back in the beginning of vet school, I didn't really know a lot of veterinarians at that time. I remember thinking, you know, hearing my peers like, oh, you know, they have, you know, they've been working at this clinic for X number of years, or they have a veterinarian that they know super well that has kind of just mentored them through the whole journey. You know, I didn't have the opportunity for that. I was like, oh my gosh, I need to find a mentor, a mentor. And I realized that that was, as I started to get through vet school and and move forward, there's so many different people who are mentors. You can be mentored, you know, I feel I've been mentored subject-wise, you know, at mentors in exotics medicine and ophthalmology, mentored in what I like need-wise in terms of extracurricular networking and leadership qualities and skill-wise from our technicians and nurses and as well as my peers. There's so many different styles of mentorship, so many different opportunities to mentor that it's just incredible. And I really, each of these people, no matter what period of time they spent in my life or what you know, what period of time their impact had on me, were a part of my journey and were a mentor to me in some way. And I think it's really important to recognize that you don't need just one person. And at the same time, a mentor doesn't have to have one mentee. You can provide mentorship to many people at once in the simple way of encouraging or giving a resource or directing them to something, um, teaching them how to place a catheter. There's so many different small aspects of mentorship that are so important and pivotal to a person's journey. As you're saying all of this, I'm like, this girl gets it. Oh my gosh. It is so refreshing just to hear someone who is like up and coming, who's talking about these things about mentorship. And uh, like, like you said, like there is honestly, you will never just have one mentor because it's not like that person can fulfill all the different aspects of your, like your emotional, your relational, your, like all of the needs that you have as a mentee and as someone who is growing and developing. But the basic form that I always share on here is that like the plus minus and equal form of mentorship, where at any given point in your career, you should always have someone who is plus more experienced and knowledgeable than you to be a mentor. You should be mentoring someone who's less experienced and less knowledgeable than you. And at you should always be mentored and be mentoring your peers. But granted, that's just like three different categories. But within those three different categories or levels, you always have like a vast number of mentors or mentees that you're learning from because like the mentor that you have in your veterinary life 
like you're going to have a couple different ones. Maybe there some of them you go to for clinical help. Some of them you go to for more of the like communication styles or professional skills type of help. Or maybe you have someone outside of the veterinary career that you go to for like relational help or like all these different things. There's just someone to chat with and, and share experiences with. So I think it, like you said, and you drove it home that you will never just have one mentor and one mentor cannot fulfill that. And on the flip side, you don't have to have just one mentee. In fact, you should probably have a couple because then you are mentoring people in different areas and different aspects of their own life, which in turn, as we know, improves your own quality of life and your own ability to grow and develop as an individual. So it is a two-way street. It keeps going round. And honestly, I feel like it should kind of be the center of, of a lot of things um, and how we take care of and, and, um, and look after each other. I absolutely love that. I love that three-tiered approach that is so well put. And I feel like it kind of in a way mirrors like the see one, do one, teach one. Because the see one, we've got our experienced mentor above us. The do one, we're in the trenches with our peers and mentoring each other. And then the teach one, we've got someone who's up and coming after us that we can reach back and and bring along with us. And I love that. And I, I realize, you know, looking back at my own path, I think I really do have that in that I obviously I look to, you know, the people around me who are more experienced, whether it be clinicians or nurses and technicians who have taught me so much. And then the peer mentorship aspect is incredible, whether it be on skills or on how to set up externships or people who are in the classes above me, you know, just telling me like how things are going and what to do. And then the mentorship of the people after me, I have had the opportunity to teach IV catheter labs, you know, as a fourth year student to our first year students, my school developed a uh, peer mentorship program where they pair a third year student with a group of first year students. And we do like these biweekly meetings along an, you know, an outline or a subject area, but also to be a person to ask questions and bounce things off of in a more formal aspect, which has then blossomed into some wonderful mentor mentee relationships that I still have, you know, now as a fourth year, those students are now second years. And that was a really amazing opportunity to be part of that too. So I think that's a really, it's really fulfilling to be in all three of those tiers, you know, benefits me to learn. And it also benefits the people after me, you know, if I learn and vice versa, I'm learning as I'm teaching. So Mm -hmm. I absolutely love that three-tiered approach. And so how would you then describe your mentorship style right now? So like with those group of mentees that you have, what are some of the qualities that you're hoping to exemplify and and pass on to them so that maybe they can become a mentor? I think it really boils down to two aspects, listening and empowering. I try to be somebody who, you know, can listen to people's concerns, listen to them vent. I, you know, I've done that both for my mentees as well as for my peers. I, and the students I represent as well, just listening, hearing, you know, their struggles, their challenges, and being in that space with them, making sure they don't feel alone in that. And then listening to their wins, you know, celebrating that with them, you know, however small, however large it may be. So listening is like the first thing to do. And then the next part is empowering. And that to me is really either looking at that challenge that they're facing. You know, once we've listened to it, we talked through it, we've kind of gotten to a place where we're ready to be in a mindset to move forward. So how do I empower my mentees to take their skills and their knowledge and come out of this challenge? 
what resources can I provide to them to empower them to go forward, pivot, whatever it is they need to do, empower them to take action, empower them to use their voice. And at the same time, you know, that we can empower our mentees through that negative experience, we can empower them with their positive experience by celebrating with them, by by bragging about them. You know, I get to brag about my mentees and be like, oh my gosh, I knew that person when even just, you know, screenshotting something that you saw about them or sending something that th- made you think of them. It's wonderful to empower somebody through that positive aspect too. So that's something I try to do, whether it's, you know, peer mentorship, whether it's my mentees or the classes after me or pre-vet mentorship, I really try to stick to those two aspects of listening and empowering. Those are huge. I'm going to keep those in mind. Um, And I think a lot of people who are thinking about mentorship and like, what is their own mentorship style? Like honestly, listening to people around them and thinking, okay, what are the main qualities that you want to have as a mentor? What are the, the ideals that you're trying to pass down to the people that you are mentoring. That's really, like, it's important to think about and really put words to that. And I can't, I'm only thinking about like the mentees that you have. And I'm like, those are some lucky people. Those are some lucky people to have you as a mentor. (laughs) Again, like it just comes back to that excitement that you have for this profession and where you're going to go in this profession is just going to be incredible. So we're starting to, to run a little bit short on time here, but I wanted to give you a little bit of time to talk a little bit more about who you are, like different resources that you want to point out to people or any um, social media contacts that you want. Yeah, thank you. Well, I'm a Virginia native, very passionate about Virginia. I'm a Southerner, but my Instagram handle is at Hidaya Martinez Jaca. Um, it's spelled just as you'll see it on the podcast and all the images just without the hyphen. And I am always open to chatting, whether it's about veterinary medicine, about mentorship, about leadership, about getting involved. There's so many ways within veterinary medicine to become involved, whether it be through organized veterinary medicine or through the incredibly diverse opportunities we have with the DVM degree. So I am happy to always be someone to chat and give you resources. And I look forward to talking with anybody who wants to chat. Absolutely. And I invite everyone to go over to her Instagram, go say hi. She's a very sweet human being. And they'll just have the opportunity to chat about all things. And like you said, you're really passionate about organized veterinary medicine. So in just a few moments, granted, if you're on the Thrive community, that's where you'll have access to this. We're going to go and record the bonus content. And I think we're going to have a really good conversation about the organized veterinary medicine side of things, of mentorship. But I want to say thank you so much to Hadaya for coming on here and sharing her mentorship story. Honestly, these are the conversations that make me so excited. I keep saying so excited, like it's my catchphrase this time. Oh, goodness. But I am incredibly excited. (laughs) There's a new way to say it about Mm -hmm. the, the future of veterinary medicine and the veterinarians who are about to enter this profession, despite the hardship, despite the challenges that these past couple of years have faced. Honestly, the future is bright. So Hadaya, thank you so much for coming on. And for everybody who wants to find out more, you can find her um, social media in the show notes. All right, till next time, y'all. And that's a wrap on today's episode of That Vet Life Podcast. Thank you so much for joining us today. Now, before you go, I have a quick request. Now, podcasts and communities, they grow the best and they grow the biggest when the members spread the word. So if you know someone who you think needs to hear this episode, or if you found value in this episode and want to share it, go ahead and share this with your friends. And also don't forget to head over to vetxinternational.com and enroll in the VetX community for free 
to get access to a bonus version of this show. You'll also get some free swag and many, many other amazing benefits. Also, leaving a review of the show on iTunes would be greatly appreciated because, again, it just helps get the word out. But until next time, y'all, I hope you enjoyed this episode of That Bet Life.